WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and this week I'm talking to Joe Lample, who is also known as Joe Gardner, and who is host of Growing a Greener World on PBS. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Daryl. How are you? I am doing pretty good for the new year, waiting for all this snow that we're supposed to get. Are you all excited about that? You know, I'm a little bit dreading that, because we all know what happens when you say the S word around Atlanta, and everything oh, yes. shuts down, and... You know, it's a little bit inconvenient. I'm, I'm beyond the times when I used to get excited about it snowing here. What can I say? Well, we're both retired now, my husband and I, so we don't have to go anyplace. You know, we always keep supplies in the house. Um, cat food is, is most important with our brood and people food. And so we just, the only thing we worry about is the power going out. Yes. And we do have a generator, but it's kind of a pain in the patoot to get out <laughs> Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've never actually, since we've bought the generator, we've loaned it to a lot of people and haven't had a chance, had a necessity to use it ourselves, knock wood. I hope right. that remains the case. Right. But, um, yeah, it is really helpful. And I'm, I'm really excited. This is a whole new year of America's Homegrown Veggie Show, and we are my first guest of the season. You were on just oh. about this time last year, too, talking okay. about what is coming up, because I know a lot of my listeners watch Growing a Greener World. So what have you been up to? What have you been working on this year? Well, you know, we finished, uh, well, first things first, on that on the show, you know, in the past, okay, so we're in our eighth season. For the past seven seasons, Growing a Greener World premiered its, its season of shows on Fourth of July weekend, which is crazy. That would not be my choice for a gardening show to premiere in the middle of summer when everybody's like over gardening for the year. They're like, I'm Uh done with it. But it's just the way the um, things fell into place on season one. And once you're in that cycle, you know, it's it's just hard to break out of it. Let's just put it that way. But it always bothered me that a show like ours wasn't premiering when everybody was really ready to soak in some good gardening information around mid-April. And uh, tried as we might, just just because of the way the schedules worked and the way the deliveries of the shows worked and the, and the amount of time in advance that you have to deliver the shows and the fact that we're a seasonal show where, you know, we can't do what we do 24-7 Unlike a cooking show that it doesn't matter if it's midnight in December, you know, it looks the same no matter when. Well, ours is not that way, so we only have a certain window of when we can film. But last year I made the decision, I am over this. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make uh, our show start premiering in April. So we doubled up. We really about killed ourselves. But we submitted our 26 episodes for Season 7 and... We shot 13 new shows in 2016, which will air da-da, starting in April 15th, 2017. So we finally finally got around that, that really hard bend in the curve, and um, we're there. Now that we're there, we're, we're going to be basically a year ahead on everything. So we will film 
13 new shows in 2017 and during May through, let's say, September. But those won't air until the following April, which gives us plenty of time to edit. We're not racing the clock like we have in the past, and it gives us more time to be more picky with what we do and what, how we edit, and everything's better, and our quality of life gets better. It was tough, though, I have to admit, in 2016 to do all of that, but, you know, it was that sacrifice you make. It's, it's um, three, you know, one step back, two steps forward is basically what happened. So that was a long answer, Daryl, but I wanted to let you know what we've been going through. You asked, and uh, you didn't know what I was going to say, but that's, that's, what we, <laughs> that's, that's what we've been up to. Well, I knew you were really busy because I, I knew a little bit of your schedule because, of course, some of my uh, guests have been people that you've um, recorded with, like uh, Bree Arthur and uh-huh. Craig LaHuyer. And, and so I knew that you were doing an awful lot of flying back and forth into the, into the Raleigh area, and then I'd hear little bits and pieces about, you know, where else you were. But I didn't get the whole story, and I know that your schedule has been crazy. Yeah. Um, you even missed most of the Garden Writers Association meeting this year. I know. I know. Sadly, I, that was the case. And, and it was that, on top of that, you know, it was fall planting time for me. So I had that little tiny window on a weekend when the Garden Writers were in town, go figure, uh, that I, I, you know, Mother Nature is pretty pretty rigid sometimes, and I needed to get my plants in the ground for the fall crops, and I only had so much time with my schedule to do that, and I'd already allocated that weekend, and um, so I made a couple appearances as I could down there, but during the sweet spot of the weekend, I was I was in my own garden, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was a strange feeling. And and you got it planted just in time for the rain to come. The first rain that I it planted happened. in the rain, actually. <laughs> and and, and the funny thing is, Daryl, on the uh, the first episode of season eight for Growing a Greener World, actually the first two, it was going to be the first episode. It was going to be a year in the life at the garden farm, and we were going to document an entire season from March through the end of the year and make it an episode, and we would, you know, the cameras would come into the garden every three weeks or so, and we would catch whatever we caught. There was no script, and, you know, we were just going to wing it as we went. But we got so much material, and then I decided to start shooting selfie videos with my iPhone and my DSLR camera, which is all good quality these days. So, you know, on Saturday mornings when nobody's around and I'm out there anyway, you know, I just took a minute to set up the camera and got some great B-roll and some you know, um, I went, came to the camera and talked and kind of told people what was going on on a Saturday morning. So it was kind of neat for the behind-the-scenes thing. But um, that, uh, so so I was, you know, planting all through the year and catching that. But on that, that rainy fall Saturday was my planting day, and I, and I decided, well, this is a heck of a shot because I am filthy as all get out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to film myself for the show (laughs) and i did i think i might have even posted it on facebook but anyway it was quite a mess and uh it's just one of the many scenes of me doing what i do in the garden when you know nobody's there to see but well you can't always be prim and proper well you know who wants that who you know i don't (laughs) we're gardeners we know we know what dirty is Exactly, and we love it, you know. <laughs> Margaret Atwood, that one of my favorite expressions, saying she said, uh, in the spring, at the end of the day, you should smell like dirt. And uh-huh. I love that. I love that. And, uh, you know, I, I would change that to soil. You know, I'd change the word dirt to soil. But other than that, 
any day that you, at any end of the day where you smell like dirt or soil is a very good day. Oh, yeah. It's like when I used to ride a lot. Any day was a good day if you smelled like a horse. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> yes, I can relate to that, too. So, well, you know, we're, we're all gardeners. We know the satisfaction that comes from having done a good day's work out in the garden. Yes. And it's a good tired, too, isn't it? It is a really good tired. It's, it's much better tired than, you know, sitting and editing something or, or researching and writing a paper or, or whatever because you, you've had that whole mind-body contact, um, brain and, and body working together to solve a problem. And, and for me, that problem is, you know, I don't, need to, I don't need to grow food. I can buy a food, but it is so much more satisfying when I grow it. Yes. It makes it fun, even when you are t- dead tired. Well, so now, now we know that. We know that I was going to go in a different direction, but um, we can jump from there to tell, tell us about your garden. How do you keep it looking so lush? Now that we've established that you don't have minions to do it all. I have no minions. I have no minions. I am, every, I am the minion. <laughs> the, you know... I could have told you this before I watched all the video segments for putting together these first two shows that we're going to be doing, but in watching it, I I couldn't believe how many times I'd come to the camera talking about why the garden looked as good as it did at that time or why I had so few pests or why there were so few diseases or why everything was doing so well. I mean, those those are not complaints, of course, but I'd always go on to say, you know, it was taking the time to prep the soil, improve the soil between the changing of the seasons, so before I planted out my warm season crops, you know, I was adding compost and some mineralized soil and, and lightly turning it in and then mulching on top. But, you know, I knew that, but I I felt the need to say that because it was every few weeks that I was filming, I probably forgot what I'd said the time before and it wasn't scripted. So I heard myself watching myself i heard how many times i talked about the reason my garden looked so well was because of the attention that i paid to making sure the soil was always updated with good quality compost and then staying proactive in the garden so as much as i'm on the road and on the go i do everything that i can to be as active as i can in the garden when i'm here so in the morning before the day gets going and why it's beautiful outside and it's still cool in the summertime, I'm out there with my coffee and I'm doing what I call garden patrol. Mm-hmm. And then it, in the evening, uh, you know, I love to go out there and sort of see what's for dinner and, and harvest from the garden. And I believe that the more you're in your garden, the more you can notice those subtle changes and you're in tune with it. But if you if you... Depart from it for even a few days. I mean, gardens are so dynamic when they're going that you just you miss a you miss a window of opportunity to maybe get ahead of a potential problem or mm-hmm. notice a change. And I I work very hard at making sure that doesn't happen when I'm in town. And last thing that I attribute great success to this year, in spite of the lack of rain that we had, and Daryl, you know this as well as anybody around here, um, having you know, portable battery-operated timers combined with soaker hoses around in every bed really took the pressure off trying to keep up with the watering because I wouldn't have been able to do it. And when I'm gone for a week at a time and we have no rain and it's 98 degrees outside, you know, 
those plants aren't going to look so good when I come back. Yeah. <laughs> but, I didn't, but I didn't have to worry about that. So it was the soil, it was being proactive, and it was putting the garden beds on autopilot with irrigation. I, I love soaker hoses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I have to rearrange something for my containers so I can do a better job of and doing those. I do have some drip um, hoses for that. And I absolutely adored having my timer because I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person, if I go out and I turn on a sprinkler or something like that, um, I will forget to turn it off. Mm-hmm. I remember going down to visit our friend Walter Reeves uh, down in Atlanta, and I got, oh, eight miles out, and I realized that I still had the water running in the pond. Oh, no. (laughs) So I had to turn around and come back because it was just, you know, it would have been overflowed, and my fish might have died from all the introduction of the new water, too. Yeah. So the timer prevents you from having to do that. You do have to to caution people, though, put fresh batteries in and – when you change, when your batteries die, remember to to put them in again. Well, have a friend who didn't. <laughs> well, this is very. That's a great point, Daryl, because I have multiple timers around here, and some of them are multifunction or multi-zone timers. So you know, I can have like if I'm propagating plants on a mist system, I'll have my timer going off four times a day for just five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a big drain on the um, on the batteries. And even though I put in yeah. fresh batteries. You know, after 10 days or so, I'll go out there and I'll look at I'll look at my plants and I'll notice that they don't look as good as they did the day before. They'll look, you know, droopy. And I'll immediately go to the timer and I'll look, and sure enough, the batteries have um, have worn down to the point that they're not engaging the um, the valve anymore. So there's, yep. they're not getting irrigated. So you're yep. right, uh, especially on those um, those timers that are. Portable and battery operated, but they op- that you run them more than like once a day or so. Now I will say I've noticed that some timers run through batteries faster than other ones, and it, and and those are the ones that are the multi-zone. Now I will, in defense of you know no brand name, I think it's maybe just because I'm they're working harder. Yeah, I think but, you're right. Yeah. we have to take a little break right now, but when we come back, we'll talk more about this. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm talking to Joe Lample this week, who is also known as Joe Gardner and the host of Growing a Greener World on PBS. And we were talking right before the break, we were talking about um, irrigating and how, how easy it is to do if you've got battery-operated timers. And Joe, what have you found that you really, do you have a brand that you really like? Well, there is a brand. I have multiple brands that I use for different functions, but I have... A lot of the Rainbird, I don't know what the model number is, but it's just green and it's got big LED 
display, which is great for me, and a big dial, so it's like you don't have to even read the instructions, which for us guys, I mean, that's perfect <laughs> for us, you know. And and so I, I had one of those, and I loved it so much, I ended up getting 15 more, and they're the ones that kind of drive my um, raised bed gardens. And those are coming on all the time. And I just got through saying that, you know, I think maybe it's because, uh, you know, a timer is, is working extra hard that the batteries run out faster. But then I started thinking, well, wait a minute, my Rainbird timers are working hard every day too, but through the entire growing season, I never change the batteries, and uh, the charge still it still shows like it's got good battery life in it. So I don't know if there's some technology in that Rainbird timer that allows it to last longer on, a, on, on your batteries or not, but such is the case here, and I had lots of those timers working really hard. So as far as saving money on batteries, that's um, I'm sold on that. Now the the only thing with this timer is it's um, it doesn't operate multiple zones, so you can't have you know more than a couple functions going on at a, in a day with it. But that may not be important. I mean, the main thing is just you get something irrigated when you need it to be irrigated for a certain amount of time, and be, and you're done. Yeah. With it. Especially when you're traveling a lot or if you're out working every day. Before I discovered uh, automatic timers, I would get home from work and... I, you know, the first thing I would have to do was, would be rescue a plant or two, or a container because they were they were just dried out, and you know that especially works down here in the south where you, when you have a drought like we did this year, when you lost so much to evaporation, as well as what the tra- the plant itself needed, and uh, they really saved the garden. And you know, you can't get that growing stage back once a plant is no. completely wilted it can perk up but i i don't think it's ever quite the same again at least that's what i found for most plants like for lettuce your lettuce will get really bitter if it's dried out and tomatoes i don't think produce as well as when they dried out like that i i think the most critical time is uh you know right after you plant them with the watering so that they those roots get out there and they have the water that they need to do what they do and and then keeping up with it. But right off the bat, you know, making sure that you soak the soil and then, you know, not keep it completely saturated, but then come back when it's needed and let the timer kick in again. But what I wanted to say on that note was I did a lot of landscaping the year before last. So not la- not this past fall, but the fall before. And so I added mm-hmm. a couple hundred trees and shrubs. And then we came into that really hot year last year and that really dry time. And even though I had kept up with watering on all these plants, because I know the importance of that, but I was doing it by hand. So I had, you know, a couple times a week I would go out there with my watering wand and stand over those plants and give the soil a thorough soaking. And it was so time-consuming. I mean, I spent several hours, several times a week just trying to get to all the plants. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, who's got that kind of time, right? But then I got smart, and I bought some extra soaker hoses, and I put them around my trees. And then, and and so I put those on, um, I put a timer on the end of my hose, so I would go around, you know, once a week. And that was easy to do because you put that on autopilot. But then all those shrubs, I bought... I'd always wanted to try this, and I finally did it. It was seven dollars, big deal. These, these, have you seen the bubbler? Uh, it's like a uh-huh. metal, yeah. Bu- yeah. So I bought one of those, and I put it on the end of a 
twist a t- irrigation twist timer unlike a battery portable timer think of the egg timer in your kitchen that has the spring inside of it well they make you know rainbird is the model that i use but they have basically that that attaches to a hose on one end and then it attaches to whatever it is on the other end but it's a timer and you just twist it so there's no battery and then i i put the bubbler on the end of the timer and then I just carried it around to those different shrubs and, and twisted it around so it gave me about 15 minutes of watering. And the other thing I did, Daryl, was I put a, um, a valve, one of those screw-on valves on the end of the hose that allowed you to regulate the amount of volume going uh-huh. through. So I was able to dial down the volume of water. So I had a really precise control, just a slight amount of water coming out of that bubbler that would soak the area around it without it all running off. You know, it just came out slow enough so it really saturated the immediate root zone. And so it wasn't wasting water, but the water was coming out slow enough so it could thoroughly saturate that area. The roots could take it up. And at the end of 15 minutes, I knew that it had all the water it needed until I got back there a week later. And let me tell you, that was my, I think that was probably the smartest thing I've done in 2016 was come up with that watering configuration. I am going to post, I'm going to do a blog post about that when we come closer to spring. And I'm going to, have, I'm going to show the pictures and I'm going to write all about it. So there will be lots of information on JoeGardner.com as of April. And, uh, yeah. As long as you mention JoeGardner.com, let's talk about it. I know okay. when you were last with us, you said that you were making plans for what you were going to do with it. So can you give people a little hint about yeah. what else you're going to be doing there? I can. Thanks. So JoeGardner.com was a website back uh, in the 2006, 7, 8-ish time frame that was doing amazingly well considering the amount of I mean, we just didn't have a big team to really manage it, but but what was on there, people really liked. Well, then Growing a Greener World television show got took over our lives, and so JoeGardner.com kind of went on the back burner. But as the television show really took off, it was still lacking in the amount of gardening information that people were really wanting. And a 22-minute show on PBS that has to keep everybody's attention really can't go into the depth of information that a lot of us gardeners really want to know. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't, we just really can't do that in the format of a, a short television show. So I said, you know what? We need to bring back JoeGardner.com, make that a gardening-intensive website, load it up with high-quality videos podcast and great blog post so however somebody wants to get their information whether it's visually audibly or through reading and downloads we're going to have it there and it's going to be from what i would say is a trusted source and me because i you know i know what i'm talking about for the most part and then we have people that we're working with like craig lahulier and brie and some others that uh like jeff gilman dr jeff gilman who have agreed to do guest blog posts every month so i got a great team contributing extra content but we're going to launch on april 1st or hopefully that's the date and when we launch it's going to have it's going to be a website that looks like it's not brand new because there's going to be plenty of content already there that we've been working on now for six months and we have an editorial calendar that's going to be providing new content every week that's already mapped out through spring of 2018 Wow. So, so we're very excited about the quality and the quantity and the content that's going on that site. And um, people can subscribe now. The cool thing is, even though the full site isn't 
won't be live until April 1st, people can go to JoeGardner.com right now, and they can just um, put their first name in and their email address, and when they do, we'll stay in touch with them and keep them posted on the developments, but they're going to get this ebook that I wrote called Your Best Garden Ever um, that's going to that's one of the best things I've written um, to help people know the top five things they need to do to give their garden the best chance of success. And that's for beginners or veterans alike. It's the top five things I believe that I do all the time to make sure that everything I plant has the best chance of survival. So, And they'll like the newsletter anyway because you put in lots of little tidbits in there. Yeah. You give people a chance to express opinions every now and then. You'll put yeah. a, uh, a survey out for people. Right. Um, you let people in a little bit on what's going on behind the scenes. It's, mm-hmm. it's just fun. It, it's fun, even without the extra information. So uh, I'm looking forward to having another website that I can – that I can point people to when they ask questions. I'm perfectly happy to ask questions, but I don't live all over the country. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I like to have guests from different parts of the country is because I don't know much about it, you know, about gardening in the southwest and the desert right. or something like that. You and know. you've got a great lineup of people. And, and Dr. Gilman, of course, is one of the garden professors. Mm-hmm. And um, he's been – he's done an awful lot of myth busting and that's one of the things that I particularly like to to read about and hear about because there's so much bad information out there. Absolutely. I love his no nonsense approach. You know, he doesn't talk down to anybody. He just tells it like it is from an academic standpoint, which is great. And um you know, you know, it's, it, I am an organic gardener, and Jeff is for the most part as well, but he also cautions people as an example and says, look, you know, organic gardening, that's my preference too, but, you know, even certain organic things, you've you got to take into consideration when you use them. It's not the be-all, end-all for every application, and he gives the example of snake venom. He says, like, you know, think about snake venom. It's organic, but do you really want much of that in your body? No. Uh, no. You know, well, so that's, that of... goes back to, like, they, they used to have uh, nicotine sulfate out there, yeah. and it was yeah. an organic product, right. um, and it'll kill you faster than anything. It was the only thing out there that, that the general public used to be able to buy that had the skull and crossbones on it in most states. Um, most states, it was you know, prohibited to be sold to anybody but um, but somebody who was licensed. But that nicotine sulfate was out there, and it could kill you in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. So, yeah, people, people don't know that, and they need to know. And if, you know, there have been so many bad people, even on PBS, I shouldn't say that, but there was a gentleman years back that would advocate spraying mouthwash on your lawn and other things. <laughs> and that probably yeah, didn't hurt the lawn, but uh-huh. his, his three fingers of tobacco in a quart of water. That could that could kill somebody too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you got you, and you said you got Craig and Bree and mm-hmm. anybody else there. Well, uh, you know Jeff Gilman, and then I have two uh, Teresa Lowe on the West Coast in LA, uh-huh. who is just a fabulous homesteader and food preserver and gardener. So she brings a West Coast perspective, and you know she's a an active presence on Growing the Greener World, and I trust her immensely. She's just um, somebody I admire greatly, and so she's going to be a regular contributor. And then I have two people that are um, not in the public arena yet, uh, but I admire them personally as bloggers and as um, people that are doing things with gardening. One is um, 
she goes by the name of Diggin Suburbia out in um, she lives, I think she lives in Alabama but I came across her blog at some point and just thought she was hysterical she's a young probably a 30 something mom with two young daughters and she's trying to show them the ways of life through gardening so they have a backyard garden and uh, she blogs about it with her girls and it is hysterical so her name is Holly Mackle and she's going to blog once a month and uh, she's excited I'm excited so we're going to add some she's going to be our, our resident humorist and uh, she's going to have a great way about her. And, then and we're going to have to keep everybody in suspense for the next little bit before we tell them who else is going to be blogging with gotcha. you. We'll be right back after this break. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Polis, and this week I'm talking to Joe Lample from Growing a Greener World and from JoeGardner.com. And right before the break, he was telling us about a couple of new bloggers that he has coming, and I, we left you hanging. So, Joe, tell us about the other one. The last person for now is Doug Scott. Doug Scott um, works with me some, but I, I knew of Doug. Through blogging, when I uh, really admired his website, it's called redeemyourground.com. And he's a guy that had a corporate life and decided he just wasn't being fulfilled. So he walked away from a secure future to um, basically work on redeeming people's property in that he he found real value with his family and spending a lot of time outside in their backyard. Once they had transformed that backyard from this overgrown mess when they bought their house to something where you just wanted to spend time there and, and friends wanted to come over there and their daughters wanted to do their homework outside and it was just inviting and pleasant and beautiful. So he said, well, gosh, I guess I've got a knack and a talent for this and people are asking me if I can do this for them. I think I will. So that's how his business started and his brand started and his blog started, and he and his wife do that together. But he's just got really great practical insight. You know, he's, he's got some professional training through Emory's Landscape Design Program, but for the most part, it's innate skill and talent, and he shares that through his blog, and his wife is very crafty and talented as well, so there's a lot of easy but innovative DIY projects on their site, 
and he writes about those things, or they write about those things. So I said I invited them to be a regular contributor on our blog as well to add that component that I may not get to in, in what I write about or what I have. So I think we have a wonderfully diverse lineup. I'll be contributing content every single week, and then once a week we'll have one of those five people contributing as well. So, um, And all that will be um, coming up in April on joegardener.com. Is that right? Right. And just spell gardener right. You know, like you know how to spell it, <laughs> Joe Gardener with the E uh, in there. And you'll find us because there's a man in Texas by the name of Joe Gardner, without the E, uh, dot com. Wonderful man. We've come to know each other because he gets all of my accidental emails. So he finally reached out to me. And he even has a he, – he, I asked to buy his website because, uh, you know, so many people were going there. And he said, well, I would do it except it's my name and I really don't want to sell my name dot com to you. I said, I understand that. But he did the next best thing and he put an auto forward on there or a, uh, a link on, on his landing page that said, hey, if you're looking for Joe Gardiner, Joe Lample, here's the link to get there, but it's not here. So anyway, <laughs> wonderful guy. And he gets, oh, some, he gets some very important emails like uh, flight itineraries and tax information sometime, but thank God he's such a straight-up guy that he lets me know when I need to know something. So there you go. You, you meet some really neat people in the world sometimes, don't you? I meet the best people. And, you know, one of the... Uh, one of the best parts about what I do in creating and producing this television show is I get to reach out to all my heroes, and if I haven't met them yet, I get to spend some intimate time with them for the next, whenever we get together, for at least two or three days as we, you know, invade their space and eat at their dinner table and hang out with them and coffee in the morning and wine at night, but we've become the best of friends, and that's been going on now for eight years, and it's something I would never trade. And uh, this year is no exception. We've got some wonderful shows coming up starting in April. And the first two I already mentioned where we're just doing a year in the life at the garden farm. But I think based on the response we got from a survey we did a year ago, people wanted to see more of people in their garden. And they specifically said, Joe, we want to see more of you in your your garden there. We love mm-hmm. seeing your garden. You're not in it enough. You know, we like, we like that you show us all these other places. That's all good. But... We really want to see you in your garden and what you're doing. So I said, okay, that's simple enough, and it will save me some travel money and keep me at home, so I'm game for that. So we did it, and that's how that one came about. But on top of that, you and I both have are big fans of Craig LaHoulier in Raleigh, mm-hmm. North Carolina, the NC Tomato Man who has got a real gift for studying heirlooms. He's got a photographic memory, and he's been keeping meticulous records going back into the early 90s or late 80s on everything he's grown, which now is in the thousands of varieties. And um, he's just a really special person. So we went and featured Craig, and we're doing an episode with the same title as his great book. It's called Epic Tomatoes. But the fun thing with this show, we went back to Raleigh three times so in mid-April, and we, we talked about how he starts his seeds and how he transplants them out into his driveway garden. And that was fascinating. And then we went back in the middle of the season, so I'd say sometime in mid-July uh, or maybe June, and then um, caught a mid-season to talk about the challenges and the successes he's having and the aha moments. And that was, you know, catching him in real time and um, from a from a perspective of kind of looking in on him at his house, you know, where we don't often have that opportunity. And we were there to document, here's this guy that really knows his stuff 
is he having problems, you know, like the rest of us or not? And he is. I mean, he, you know, he faces the same challenges we do, but we were able to talk about what he does to help mitigate those problems. And then we went back at the end of the growing season to look back on his season, the, the, the successes, the trials, the things that he would have done differently, the things that worked well, to get that perspective once it's all over, you know, because at the beginning of the season you have nothing but optimism and it's going to be your best year ever, and then at the end of the season reality sets in and you can look back and you reflectively ponder how the year went. So that's the episode with him. Sorry it took so long, but I'm very excited about that one, if you couldn't tell, and that's the third episode in the lineup. Oh, yay. So that means we'll see it by the 1st of May, more or less? You will see it on uh, April 29th. On April 29th. Yay. I'm going to mark my calendar for that. Yeah. And we'll have it online, too. So anybody that doesn't get our our shows on their local PBS station, first of all, contact your program director at your station and say, why isn't Growing a Greener World on our station? Because I want to see that show. And the more they hear from people that request it, the more likely they are to put that show into the lineup. But if you can't, growingagreenerworld.com is where we put up every episode online so you can watch it for free. Every show we've ever, ever done is there for you to see and and watch free any time of day or night. And that is wonderful. I just, you know, sometimes you have... 20 minutes, half an hour, you want to watch something about gardening, or you've got a great, um, you can, you've got a search function there, so you can mm-hmm. look up on a particular topic, yeah. and you've got it all at your fingertips. You don't have to be at a TV. And i got to tell you, I don't like watching TV on my computer screen. I don't either. But I watch your show. Oh, because it's because it's it's that worth watching. Wow! I watch that and, and sometimes Frontline episodes if I miss them. <laughs> well, that's good to so, know. Thanks. Thank you. You're 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 rarely privileged there. Okay, Joe. We were talking about the show that you did with Craig, and he did something special on his show for you too, didn't he? In his hybridizing. He did. He did. He did. Are you talking about the 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 um, hybridization he's trying to create a variety that yes i asked him to <laughs> awesome yeah so here's here's one of these um well it's never happened to me before which is pretty exciting but uh craig is um creates new varieties because he's just that sciencey kind of guy and he that's one of the things he loves to do with his heirloom plants and so i was telling him about the tomato type of tomato that i would love to have and uh, <laughs> I had no idea that he would he would say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to create that variety for you, and we're going to get it out into production. So he decided, based on my description of what I loved in a tomato, which parent plants would be the best to, to cross, and he was successful at uh, collecting seed from those crosses. And so now he's putting it into uh, – you know his his system, so he'll continue to grow it out and stabilize it and see how it comes out. But <laughs> I'm so excited! <laughs> I can't wait. It'll when take a while, though. I mean, to to run it through the multiple times of uh, multiple cycles, but that's yeah. okay. He does have to grow it out pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, he told me he was gonna he had done that, and I I just thought that was that was just cool, and I'm so glad that I introduced <laughs> you guys. Yeah, I'm so um, thrilled. That's kind of that's kind of an experience, and I get to watch the, the two of you interact now. I feel like a mommy. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I have a new baby coming too with this hybrid. This you know this hybrid variety. Oh yeah. I feel like a new expectant parent too. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to grow out any of his first and second years, or is he going to handle all that? Well, he offered, and I said, you know what, I, I would I would like to try some of the seeds and just see how they go. I mean, it won't be the end result yet, but it'll give him uh, some feedback uh, from my perspective. So, yeah, good. I am so excited, and I'm going to I I want to I want to taste that tomato because I know you and he and I all have fairly similar you know yeah. tastes in tomatoes. Want really rich tomatoes. Yeah with a lot of flavor instead of the, the wishy-washy ones. So right. I'm, I'm excited. If you like it and he likes it, it's going to be a winner. Okay, and you are up in Raleigh doing another person that I that I know that I've had on the show a couple of times, Bree Arthur. Well, indeed. In fact, the funny thing about that, Bree Arthur is the other person that is um, is one of our online, one of our on-air contributors to the show and online as well. She's got many, many specialties when it comes to horticulture and beyond, but uh, we had the idea that with this show that we were doing with Craig, we would feature Craig and Bree in the same episode, and we quickly learned that that probably wasn't the best plan because they both have so much to say and show. To try to cram all of that into one episode would be a disservice to everybody, so we decided to make Bree's episode, her own show, which will be the last show in the lineup, because I don't know that we're finished with it yet, because we didn't really know that she was going to be her own show until our third trip. We hadn't really done what we needed to do, knowing it would have been its own show, if that makes sense. I mean, we would have gotten more interviews. But it, it'll be there. We just won't get to see it until, what, um, 2018? Uh, that, that show is not going to air until July 8th. And uh, But we'll have a chance to go back and, and get the things that we need to make that a full show. I mean, there's plenty there, but it just doesn't have the elements that typically you're used to in a show. Uh, but it's fascinating. What Bree did, uh, she's like a trailblazer. She, she has so much horticultural knowledge, and she's willing to apply that to new techniques and methods for growing. So she has this real problem with um, a, 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 a bacteria, or, a bacteria in her soil that makes – Makes growing tomatoes in grass. Yeah, exactly right. And so she can't grow directly in ground, so she has to grow in containers. And then, you know, there's some limitations of that. So she wanted to try to find more efficient ways. So she started experimenting with hydroponic and aquaponic growing in tomatoes. And um, it was just a fun experiment to see her do something that most people really haven't tried to do in a home gardening setting. And she had some major fails, and she had some pretty good successes as well. But what I love about Bree is, I mean, she's just out there. You know, you get what you get. What you see is what you get. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But Bree's confident enough in her knowledge and her ability that, fine, she'll apply what she observed to make it right or whatever. You know, it's just that's how gardeners should be, and Bree's Uh willing to hanging out there for all the world to see. Yep. You know, people don't learn. It's easier for people to learn from other people's mistakes than it is for them to learn doing it themselves. That's yeah. my that's my thing. If I'm if I goof on something, fine. I'll tell somebody why I goofed, how and why it happened yep. so that they don't have to, you know, do the same dumb thing that I did. Or maybe it's a smart thing that just didn't work out because of the weather or something like that. You just never know. Yeah, and she's totally willing to do it. She's totally willing to be that person. I'm glad, and I'm glad we'll get to see it this year. And we're going to take another little break.
Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm here today with Joe Lample from Growing a Greener World and um, JoeGardner.com. And right now we've been talking about the upcoming shows that he um, has in store for us starting April 15th. And I'm excited to hear more about what did, where did you go, what did you see, what particularly thrilled you, Joe? Oh, gosh. <laughs> How much? How long is this show? <laughs> I'm sorry, I only got another 13 minutes. Oh no! Well, um, then I better be quick about it. We we went to some amazing places, met some amazing people. The uh, one of the things that I had already alluded to earlier, I talked about the survey that we did last year, mm-hmm. and the feedback that we got was just so invaluable with all the information we got. But it gave us great ideas for where we needed to go that we hadn't covered yet. And one of the things we heard quite often in that survey was, hey, you you know, you guys go everywhere, but we haven't seen you come to the desert southwest yet. And we're here, and we garden, but you're not telling anything about it. So I took that to heart, and I said, we're going to do that. So we went to Phoenix this past year, and we did a a segment at the Desert Botanical Garden, and we did a segment with um, one of the the, uh, the cooperative extension agents there and some of the master gardeners. And then we, we went to another segment in town of a, of a gardener slash farmer who has basically an oasis in the desert that he created by working on the soil. But let me tell you, Daryl, it it is incredible. It's called Sing Farm, S-I-N. G-H, I believe. But it, it truly is an oasis. So here we are in the desert, of, you know, the desert southwest, and this man has, over the past 10 years, built up this lush, and I mean lush, environment. You, if somebody dropped you into the middle of his place, you would, in a million years, you would not guess you were in Phoenix. But he is all about the soil, and he he has been working and working and working and planting trees into it, and everything is just taken off. And uh, but he's an organic gardener, and he and he has very shady areas, but he produces lots of great crops. He does lots of classes. Anyway, he's a fascinating guy. This is all in this show about gardening in the desert southwest, and there's a lot to learn there. It was just beautiful, and. Um, so they're going to be well served in this show, and, and we may even go back to finish it off. I don't know. Another show we did was in the Bronx, New York. Stephen Ritz is this guy that is one of my all-time new heroes, but he is a teacher, and he's a volunteer teacher now. He he was paid, but but there was an admin change, and, and he just decided, you know what, I'm going to not take a pay, pay uh, paycheck. I'm going to come every day at 6 in the morning and work till 6 at night, and I'm going to teach these kids who live in the poorest congressional district in the United States. They're in a food desert, even though they're two miles from you know Man- Manhattan. But uh, here's Stephen Ritz teaching these middle school kids and elementary school kids how to grow food, how to do it organically, how to do it when you don't have a place to plant, and the value of healthy food. And he's changing their lives. He's changing their diets. He's getting them off of soda and snack food and junk food and potato chips. And he's just got this way about him that just warms your heart. And he's just this energy. He's just amazing. And um, that may be the show I'm most excited about editing because it's just the story 
the story is just incredible. And he gets he gets so much coverage now because of the great work he's doing. He was named as one of the top teachers in the world last year. Uh, he's just got a million accolades coming his way, but he deserves every one, and we're just glad to be one of the people telling the story. I've taught in the inner city in yeah. a settlement school, and that's a really tough environment for anybody to be in. And then to to be able to change lives like he's doing, right? That is that's just amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. I hope somebody decided to pay him again. Now that he's getting, you know, his. he's getting. I I I don't think that's a problem. I think his wife did well, and she's actually retired from her job. They're not old, but he, you know, she's retired and she's working with him full time in the schools now. But I think, I think they're okay there. Um, and, and and when he does get speaking fees, this is the cool thing. <laughs> he takes that money and he donates it back to his school for their learning environment. And um, that is so cool. Oh, I know. He's just that, such a generous that's person. Yeah. I, and that one's we're going to have to wait till late in the season to watch that one. Up. That one you're going to see June third. June third. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I will yeah. look forward to it. Uh-huh. The more we get kids in the garden, the better off we all will be. Yes. I, you know, if, if everybody would just shut up and garden, I think this would be a whole lot better world. Shut up and dig, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah. Garden I think that would work. Tagline, shut up and dig. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I may have a T-shirt printed with that on it. That yeah. Sounds like, that sounds like a, a, a good thing. Um, Joe, do you have any other, where, where all did, you went to the desert southwest. Did you okay. go up into the northwest again? Uh, we we went up into the Midwest and, and um, the Northeast, and then of course the Northwest. We we didn't film there this year, or did we? I have to look. I don't think we did, but we've been there a lot, and so mm-hmm. we, it was time to just kind of share, the, spread the love a little bit. Uh, you know, I take that back. Well, we did. We went to um, Spokane, Washington. Susan Mulvihill is a great master gardener. Uh, a good fan of the show, and one of the survey responses that from many people was they wanted to see everyday gardeners doing extraordinary things, and Susan is that person, and uh, we visited her and her incredible garden. She's got a huge raised bed garden also, more beds than I have, and uh, she has her perennials and her 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 mini orchard and her native plants. It's just, it's incredible, and uh, so we, we did a show called In Susan's Garden, and we featured her for um, a couple the couple days that we were there and covered an everyday gardener doing extraordinary things. And that show airs June 10th. So that was pretty cool. So Spokane, Washington. So that, a lot of people, because there's a big difference between Pacific Northwest, where like Seattle, where we've done mm-hmm. plenty of shows, and then across the mountain range to the east, and you got Spokane, Spokane, it's completely different. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. When you fly over that area, you're, you're flying over desert until just that last little bit mm-hmm. before you get to Seattle. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much of the of the state of Washington there is. It's a really wide state, yeah. um, west-east, and very dry in many parts of it. It is. Surprisingly so. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you spread yourself around a little bit because I really don't have much experience with gardening other than in wet environments. I mean, I've gardened in lots of areas, but it, they've all been east of the Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Do you find um, when you're out in, like, the desert, do you feel like you're totally out of your biome? I, 
You know, for, as plants go, I do uh, somewhat. You know, especially the succulents and the and the things that just don't only grow in the desert for sure. But then, um, then you get talking about what makes those plants grow well and look good, and it's the same conversation. You know, it's just a different yep. location. And that's what I love about it, which is interesting because as um, for me, being a national gardening person in the media, you know, I'm, I'm writing and filming and talking about gardening all the time to an audience that's all over the country and beyond. And it's impossible to know how to make plant recommendations everywhere. You yep. just can't. But you can talk about the principles, the best practices, the, the blocking and the tackling. And it never gets old. And... Um, I, I just think that's where it all starts, and people can't hear that enough. So if that's the only thing I ever talk about, God forbid, um, <laughs> it's still important information. Yeah, and people just, you know, they, they want to start a garden, but they have to – I don't think it really occurs to people, unless they've seen a really lush garden like yours or the garden that I used to have, um, they don't really appreciate how important the soil is. Mm-mm. If you don't have that foundation, no matter what you do, you're not going to be as successful as if you had if you had done your soil preparation. Now I know well, I we've got a couple of lucky listeners in the Midwest who have yeah. you know ten feet of topsoil like what I grew up with um, that really don't need to do much in the way of soil preparation except maybe add turn the organic matter back into the soil at the end of the season. Um, but most of us have to do a little more than that. Well, that's true. And, and people don't really think about what's happening beneath the surface where they don't really see anything. And soil, and a lot of people just call it dirt, and that tells you a lot right there. There's so much going on down there. And I am fascinated with this world, you know, beneath the surface level that supports everything that happens above it. And, you know, one of my two favorite mantras is feed the soil and let the soil feed the plants. Yes. And when people really understand what's behind those words, uh, it just, I think it changes their life and it gets them thinking in a completely different way. You know, there's the there's the how-to information, but I'm always about the why-do. And, you know, I believe mm-hmm. if you understand the why-do, you can do the how-to, and you can do it in a whole different perspective that makes you a better, smarter gardener. But I think it starts with the why-do, not the how-to. That's why I like to get people on here and talking about the why. And, you know, if, if people here's, – here's something for the people out there that might, you know, that might not know what some of what's going on in the soil – but there are, in a tablespoon of soil, there are more organisms than there are people on this planet. Mm-hmm. Right. When you think of it like that, it's just a, whoa, how can that be? And then, of course, in, in my case, I wanted to know what, was, what else was under there. Um, you know, you can see the worms and little bugs and things like that, but you can't see a lot of uh, um, fungi and bacteria and how they all work together. Right. And the, the relationships that different soils have with um, different organisms, that's fantastic stuff. It is, and there have been many, many books written about it. Soil science is just a completely different world, and I'm, I'm wrapping up an e-book that's going to be over 10,000 words um, called The Complete Backyard Guide to Composting or something like that. I haven't settled on the title, title yet. But, again, 
when I ask my audience, you know, I, I sent out an email uh, just before Thanksgiving maybe, and, and I just, the, with the question, what do you want to know about composting? Because I was going to write some articles for the website, and I wanted to zero in on the areas that they had questions about. Well, an hour later, I'd already had over 100 replies, email replies, and they kept wow. coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and it was incredible what people wanted to know. There was a lot of overlap, which was good. You know, I knew that I had that handled, but, you know, I also thought I knew what everybody wanted to know. I thought I, I thought I could anticipate all the questions that they had, because, you know, being around as long as we have with what we do, we... We think we've heard it all, but it's not the case. And I had so many great questions that I would not have thought to address in this book um, that my audience provided for me. So I, I read every email. I got back to everybody. I cataloged everything. I've got it all worked out. And everything they wanted to know is going to be addressed. And it's, this is why it's over 10,000 <laughs> words. But, but you know, it's, it's probably the most searched term on Google for gardening-related information is composting, and um, people still want to know about it, and I'm glad they do because, to me, it's the most important thing they can put in their soil is composting. I, I think you are right. Yeah. We're going to have to wrap it up this yeah. year, but but I just want to let folks know that it's growinggreenerworld.com and joegardner.com, the new season for both the, the newly launched relaunched website and uh, the show is going to be in April this year and thank you so much for being with me Joe I just have a blast whenever I get a chance to talk to you and maybe now things will settle down so we'll get a chance to do that more often than once a year (laughs) I have to laugh at that one I hope you're right Daryl but it's always a pleasure it's definitely mutual I have a great time conversing with a fellow passionate gardener and thank you and that's it for quick stakes that's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.